Hey, this is Pastor Rick. Glad you're with us on demand. Again, one of my favorite places to be because you get the word of God in your hand and you can get it when you want to. I want to share a message with you today, repositioning your mind. That's what this is about. Repositioning my mind for a new world. This sermon is about starting over. This sermon is about how you think when things change. And we are surely in changing times. And so sit back, enjoy the word. It's going to be a great, great study. Romans chapter 12, turn there, verse 1 and 2. We're going to study that and talk about how you reposition your mind for changes. It's really something that you don't want to miss. Stay there. So let me read for you, if I can, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, which is where we're going to start. And also, I want to make sure you get the title clear in your mind. Today, we're talking about repositioning your mind. It's about taking your mind and putting it in a different place. We have been talking about repositioning yourself for change. We talked about the importance of licensing yourself. We talked about the importance of being a holiday person and letting people enjoy the holidays. But today, I move to the subject of thinking. Because I really believe that in order for you to get to where you need to be, your mind has to be in a certain place. You've got to get your mind right. Sometimes if your mind is not in the right place, it just doesn't work. No matter what, marriage, your life, money, business, nothing works. You have to stop and say, okay, my thinking has been off in these areas. And it's my conviction that the way Christians think, in particular, concerns me. Um, let me read the verse for you, Romans chapter 12, and then we'll come back and talk about something that I think is a deep concern. Romans 12 and 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able, once your mind's transformed, to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pl pleasing and perfect will. NIV version. I like this verse because the verse basically says you have to think different. In order to have a different result, you have to think differently. The biggest thing that you're going to see in the sermon is I'm going to challenge you to make a mental crossing. There's a boundary that gets in the way of people's thinking. There's certain ways you see things, the ways you define things that really have zero to do with the long term goal that God has for your life or that you should have for your life. There are things that sometimes you just can't leap over. And we'll talk about that. There's a book I'll re reference to you and I'll just summarize the quote from the book. But I, it really is a great, great concept. It's called A Whole New Mind by David Pink. I'll talk about that later, too. But I want you, if you would please, to note with me a simple uh, statement that I wrote up myself. And this is this kind of gets to the heart of, of what needs to be re repositioned in our thinking about ourselves and about uh, the people we're, we're reaching, the people in the world around us. Uh, how we think will affect how we deal with people and how we view ourselves. If I, if I see myself as a person who never takes a break and, and I work like that 70 hours a week, 80 hours a week, and I, and I don't ever reposition that, that's unhealthy. My, my thinking process needs to evolve. So let me, if I can, read for you a little thought that I wrote down that I want you to remember. Here you go. This, this is important because for a lot of especially religious people, this is really important. Here we go. First of all, sometimes sometimes we are guilty of teaching our Christian culture as though it were God's culture and preference. God is not Baptist, Catholic, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Evangelical or Protestant. These are religious expressions we created to honor God. They come with traditional assumptions and biases and, are, and that, that are tied to historical seasons and personal preferences. 
Now, I want, you to, I want you to just think about this for a second. A lot of people who are Baptists believe that God sent them into the world to get everybody to be going to Baptist church. That's the goal. Uh, to grow the Baptist church. Grow the Pentecostal church. That's the goal. As a pastor of a church, Overcoming by Faith is the name of our church. I'm not careful. I'll think that everybody I encounter, my job is to convince them to come to my church. And that the bigger my church gets, the better it is. Well, I've learned that the bigger it gets, the bigger you want it to get. And the eye is just never satisfied with seeing, the Bible says. And we're not, sometimes we're just never satisfied with seeing. We're just always trying to get bigger, 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 bigger. And my question is sometimes is this. You want to become a big what? A big what? A big gathering so you can get panning cameras to show the crowd and everybody can go wow and it is a wow let me tell you i preached in front of thousands of people it's a wow experience it's incredible to teach thousands of people and to cheer the crowd and the man it's great it's good stuff feels emotionally wonderful i mean and you touch a lot of lives you have an altar call and hundreds come to the altar you go Ooh, praise god you know you just feel good about yourself feel good about god and you just feel like you're making a difference in the world but if you think that's the focus of God in the world, you're really wrong because Jesus came and he did 12 people and he spent most of his time with three people. He didn't spend a lot of time. What you read in the New Testament was with small groups. He had maybe a 5,000 big deal here and a 3,000 or 4,000 here, but he didn't have as a norm big crowd gatherings. And so the idea that somehow we, we need to be striving for that is not really at all true. So for a lot of people, what we've forgotten is he's a personal God whose goal is to be the Lord over the church. It's not about building big numbers. Numbers are great, but that's not the goal. The goal is to be the Lord of the church. He's not trying to make me Baptist or Catholic or Presbyterian. And some of us are really convinced God is Catholic. I'm telling you, he is. He's Catholic. He has a robe and everything. He's Catholic. He's got to be Catholic. <laughs> he's God, you know. And we take that across a lot of different, you know, uh, <laughs> let me say it another way. We, 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 we take that way of thinking and we go too far with it. We think God's black. He acts like a black man or he acts like a white man or he acts like an Asian man. Or here's the big one. We think God's American. He has to be American. I mean, on his passport, God's going to say American, right? Right? No, he's not. He's not French. He's not American. He's God. And so what we try to do is we try to make people believe that God is like us. And our goal should be to be like him. So he's not American. That may shock you. You're trying to get us back to get it. I love this, this whole argument. You know, we're going back to how this country was originally established under God's law and God's way. That's uh, not quite honest. That's not honest at all. This country was founded by people that obviously had some really good traits and they did some really good things, but they also did some pretty bad things. Slavery is one of them. Yeah, I know you're going to say, you're going to say slavery. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, pretty bad, you know, you know, you know, long, depending upon where you date it, you know, uh, several, you know, hundred years of that, probably pretty bad, especially for African-American people and for Indians and People, it was not good. Even for a lot of European people, it wasn't good. I mean, the whole thing was a disaster. And it has lasted, the weight of it has lasted throughout the generations. Uh, the way that women were treated. The way that women were handled. And the way kids were treated. You know, the way kids were undereducated. 
there are a lot of things that we've very selfishly done in our, in our country that we, we are not proud of and shouldn't be proud of. But we have to climb past that. Face it and go past it. But the point is, the idea that God is, God is an American or God is a Christian who goes to one of our churches, he is not. He is the Lord of the church. Now, if you get that, if you switch your mind, reposition your mind and just think of that, that will help you accept flaws in your church, flaws in your religious approach. So you won't come to the conversation, even with a political conversation, with this idea that because you have a viewpoint and you blend a little Christianity with it in a couple of Bible verses, that somehow you're, you're all right in everything you say and think. You're not. And there are a lot of difficult issues that are very, very hard for us to cross over. There's some big leaps that we can't make. And um, I want to read just a part of a book called A Whole New Mind by David Pink, Daniel Pink, I'm sorry. And in Daniel's book, he talks about this idea of relationships and how some people can see the relationship between, between objects. There's something about like, uh, there's a whole ch chapter on symphony where he talks about it's like a, like a symphony, learning how, to, how this instrument connects with that instrument, how you blend them together. And in our country, that's what we need. We need the Republicans and the Democrats and the independents and the black and the white and the short and the tall and the rich and the poor, like a symphony to play an American tune that we all can, can enjoy and can all, all be a part of. It's, there's something wrong when one instrument or one section dominates and there's no sharing and there's no, no balance. And, and somehow it's really difficult to see how this relates to that. You know, if we, we don't see the relationship between the way women are treated and the way kids are treated and the way families feel. We can't see the relationship between the two. And I love the way that this guy makes this point. So let me read a little bit of it and just follow me along a little bit. He said, creativity generally involves crossing the boundaries of domains. The most creative among us see the relationship the rest of us never notice. They never notice ever notice it. There are people who are great inventors who can look at something and go, hmm, I see how this can relate to that and how this can create that. There's something about seeing relationships. And I love this idea because this requires climbing a mountain. Then he goes on and says this. Designer Clint Mock says, the next 10 years will require people to think and work across boundaries into new zones that are totally different from their areas of expertise. They will not only have to cross those boundaries, but they will also have to identify opportunities and make connections between them. So imagine for a moment how important it is for us, especially during this season when churches have been closed down and all these things have happened and you've had to go through this coronavirus thing and you've had to deal with all this. And if you're watching this past that, God bless you. you, you I'm glad you missed it. It was a mess. But working through all of that, how can we now make the connections? Can I see the connection, the opportunities? Can I, I love that term. Can I see the opportunities and the connections? So we had to do digital church. So what can I do to benefit from that? And, and what's the connection between um, the way it was and the way it needs to be? Can I, can I see that? Can I swim through my confusion and my emotional state? And let me just say this to you. I am tempted emotionally, whoo man, to be um, nervous because things have changed. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. There is a very, it's very hard, and I, I watch parents go through this when the kids leave home. I watch uh, businesses go through this when the business model changes. 
you don't make money the same way you used to make it. Now you got to make it online and you're not sure how to work online and you got all these things. And so a lot of Christians, they don't they struggle and, and they you know I'm a Baptist now. We do the Baptist way. This is Baptist. I'm Catholic. Hey, watch it, people. I'm just, you know, and so you can't imagine, not mocking anybody now, you can't imagine if you're a Pentecostal that the way you've managed and done this is difficult for pastors. This format doesn't appeal to the, uh, and I know God is able to get you down the road. Can you say, yeah, Lord, I know you can, Jesus. Come on, church, say amen. Now, if you're in the room by yourself and there's nobody to say amen, you just kind of get lost. <laughs> so your style of preaching, your style of communicating, the way you do things, it's totally different. You don't have upfront, in-person, face-to-face contact. So you're, if you're not careful, you're, you're so busy trying to get back in a building and you're so busy trying to hurry back that you don't see the opportunities. You don't see the connections. You don't see how this can work. You don't see how God can take what you have and make it better. You may not can connect with your family in person, but maybe you can talk to them more. You weren't that close when you were face to face in the first place. Sometimes you'd be fantasizing. You used to cuss and fight. You can't you can't hit anybody through the camera. Some of you need to do that because you fight all the time when you <laughs> when you together. You need to be distanced for a while to rethink your relationship and rethink your priorities. This has been a, a, a moment for me to rethink everything I do, how I teach, how I preach, how I plan our finances. Man, it's been an amazing lesson for me. I see the opportunities. I see the connections to a better future. We're reaching more people. We are, we are literally reaching more people, thousands more. Our, you know, our, our television spots alone are reaching millions more. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It, just doing things a different way. I did um, a 30-minute television program for years. 20 years, 25 years. Now I'm doing 30 second commercials that come on uh, locally in my local area. And the views are humongous, close to 7 million views. I never would have thought that. Thousands are being touched through the internet, on demand. Uh, We have all these different platforms we use. Um, Facebook. Uh, It's amazing. It's amazing. And YouTube, all these things that we use, and we're touching thousands of more people, thousands. And so I believe that there are opportunities that sometimes we miss because we can't think another way. And here's what he says. And this is one more quote from the same guy. I love the book. What he said this. We need the ability to make big mental leaps that can be life changing. The ability to make big leaps of thought is a common denominator among the originators of breakthrough ideas. Usually the, ability to res- usually the ability resides in people with very wide backgrounds and multidisciplinary minds and a broad spectrum of experiences. Boundary crosses reject either or choices and seek multiple options and blended solutions. So the point he's trying to make, Mr. Pink is in his book, A Whole New Mind, is you have to have a whole new mind. You you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Back to our main verse. Be therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind, Paul said in Romans 12, verse 2. Don't be conformed to the patterns of the world. Don't follow what everybody else is doing. The biggest mistake we make is we follow what everybody else is doing. We're doing what everybody else is doing. And it was really tragic. If you look at all the stats in church specifically, young people are leaving in droves. I mean droves. Droves. The Southern Baptist Church, bless them, biggest declines ever still dropping. 
90% of churches are dropping in attendance. So what, what, what are we missing? In this season, you're trying to get back to what? Rather than reconsidering a new way, a new opportunity to grow. 10% of churches are still growing. Very few are not. Uh, very few churches are growing, rather, compared to those who are not. It's, it's amazing. And so <clears throat> I, feel, I feel it's really important for us to re reconsider. Reconsider your approach to everything. Be open to leap. Make that leap. Can you make the leap? Can you cross the mental boundary? Or are you the one of those people who stopped? Nope, this is the way we're doing it. We're going to keep doing it no matter what. I just, I have been probably extremely surprised. So I'm going to list five things um, that I think we need to leap forward and embrace. One more time. Five things we need to leap forward, leap forward and embrace these five things. Number one, things have changed and will never be quite the same. We are in a changing culture. That's the first thing you need to accept. It's not the same. It takes 90 days or so to change a habit. When you start having months where people are not in the same routine, their culture changes. How they see shopping will never be the same. Online is here to stay. Online church is here to stay. It's not going to change. It, it, you don't have to like it. Horse and buggies were fine. But when cars came along, it just changed. When the locomotive came along, it just changed. That the computers changed everything. Putting it in, in the hand of a person changed everything. Everything. I heard um, a story of, of, of uh, and it's a wonderful book. Um, uh, I, 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 it's, it's really, it, it talked about, and I almost want to, I want to, Take a, take a minute here, just give me a break. 10 Lessons from a Post-Pandemic World. And I am going to show you the name of the book in a minute here because I love this. This is Consider this live and in color with Pastor Rick. And um, I always say his name wrong. Fareed Zakaria is his name. And it's a book called 10 Lessons for a Post-Pandemic World. And in this book, he talked about how in India, where he's from, computers were um, not available. They were too expensive. But when phones came along and they could put them in these devices, it changed their world. India was completely changed because now you could afford it. They came up with a way and, and that changed everything. Church is now in your hand. It's on demand. People can get it when they need it. They, they can, if they miss Sunday, they can catch up. People right now are members of our church, are friends of our church, and they live all over the world. They live in various parts of the country, and we interact, we talk, they email me, I email them back, we call, it's, it's amazing, uh, counsel them sometimes, all because of technology. So things have changed, and they're never, ever going to be quite the same. First change. Number two, we must think about how we are managing living in the deadliest season in American history. We must think about how we will live, how we will manage living in the deadliest season. Never have so many died so quickly in American history. Over 300,000 people as of the date of this taping have died of the virus. And the projections are way, way higher. Um, the number of people who died, I think, in the World War II was right under 300,000, thereabout. And that was over a three, four year period. This is in less than a year. You should, you should pause. 
how are we going to think? We must think about how we're going to manage living in this season. This is important. And, and that's why I said you have to make the decision. If I'm living in a deadly season and a difficult season, I need to learn, you know, how to manage this, how to wear a mask, how to wash my hands, how to stay distanced, how to, how to, how to do all I can. Number three, you ready? We must think about who we are going to follow and what we will require of them. If you're going to follow the Republicans, you have to think about how you're going to follow. If you're going to follow a Democrat or an independent or anybody, you have to think about how. Never follow anybody blindly. Never, never start using the Bible verses and, and, and just following people because you like them, because of their personality. I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned. I want to elaborate for a minute. I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to elaborate. And I, I, want, to, I want to say names, and I might make some people uncomfortable, but I want to make a point. I want to make an important point. Because you want to hear what I think. You don't want to hear me just fake it, right? Good. Okay, so here we go. I'm going to talk about President Trump, who's just our current president at this time. And I want to talk about Biden, our incoming president at this time. And I want to just describe a couple of things to you that I, I want you to just think with me about. If you're going to follow Biden, if, you're gonna, if, if President Biden's going to be who you're going to follow, you're going to be with him, then you have to follow him, but you have to be willing to honestly assess what he does and doesn't do. You have to be willing to ask hard questions. You have to be willing to say to him, well, I disagree with that or I agree with that. And it's his job, in my opinion, as a leader, to listen to you. Leadership is part of my specialty, if I can say it that way. My master's degree is in strategic leadership. Uh, and I have been a leader for, and a church, one church for 30, knocking on 40 plus years. I get it. I've been up in some leadership, spiritual leadership position over 40 years. I get it. I really get it. I'm 62 today and I get it. I, I connect with this whole idea of leadership, how I communicate, what I say, my attitude, the atmosphere that I create. It's important that if, when Biden functions as president, that we give him our undue um, prayer and support. The Bible says pray for those in high authority. Timothy said that in chapter two, that we should pray for those people. That's biblical. OK, you don't do anybody a favor when you don't challenge them and speak to them. Now, regarding President Trump, the people who love him have to treat him with respect and they have to treat him with love. And here's how you love a person. You tell them the truth. If they're wrong, you tell them. You say, that's not right. You can't talk like that. You can't say those kind of words. You can't behave that way. That's vindictive. You have to say it to them. You have to stop them. You know, I've, I've helped a lot of pastors um, and I've seen a lot of pastors become these independent people who don't want anybody to give them any advice. They just live in this bubble all by themselves and it's just whatever I think. Uh, fathers are like that. You know, you run your house like the Lord and the King. I am shepherd and the boss in here, people. You know, and that's how you live. And it's horrible following you. It's horrible being under your authority. Kids want to get out. Mom, mom wants to leave. Everybody wants to run because, because you may provide food but yeah, but maybe even not all that. And it's like people are supposed to just accept being cussed at and yelled at and insulted and threatened and bullied. If you love your leader, you tell him no to that. 
and you mean it. You mean it. I, you know, I, I live under accountability. I, I do. I, I think that's one of the, the things that has helped me survive for this long. And I, I believe it's being honest. And it's hard. It's hard at times. I don't want, you know, there are times my wife, you know, as wonderful as she is, and I love her dearly, but she gets on my nerves. You know, Rick, uh, can I ask you something? No. What you want to ask me? <laughs> there are times, you know, and there are times it's, it's, hard, it's hard to hear some comments, but you need to have that in your life. You know, that's one of the reasons, really, I, don't, I'm, you know, I, love, I like school. I won't say I love it, but I do kind of. I see the benefit in it. I see that the, the process of evaluation, a paper, you know, you write this paper and you give it your utmost best, right? And then this person looks at it and goes, well, I think you didn't do this right and you didn't do that right. and blah. But that's good. As a matter of fact, I, I submit to that process every week in these sermons. We call them sermon reviews. And before I preach them, almost all of them, not all of them, but most of them, about 99% of them, we talk about it beforehand. And then it's just, sometimes they say, oh, Pastor Rick, I don't understand what you're saying. I said, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me there. <clears throat> What'd you say? I said, Pastor, I don't, we don't quite follow you in your line of reasoning. And I just say, okay. Well, you are in the flesh and I am in the spirit. No, I don't. <laughs> what I'm saying is that process. And so I, I got I to move on. But that to me is one of the things that I think is missing. So you must think about how you're going to follow somebody. You, you, you got to think about that. We can't follow blindly as Democrats, Republicans or independents. We have to learn that question our party, challenge our party. And to me, lovingly said, that's one of the disservices that to, to Donald Trump. One of the things that people who loved him have not done is fairly and honestly communicated to him. When they disagree with him, they were afraid. And that, to me, is unwise. And I pray that with Biden, that never happens. I pray that we never again allow anybody in leadership to go uncovered. That's what I feel that's like. And I understand, well, he wouldn't let him cover him. I hear some of you talking. He wouldn't let him. I understand all that. That's not the point. It's not what they'll let happen. It's what we as a people must demand will happen. We cannot have runaway leaders. We cannot have on either in either party. Everybody has to understand you are a servant leader that we've granted the opportunity to lead. And we cannot allow the intoxication of this power and this position to get to you. And let me tell you, it's intoxicating. <clears throat> I'm the pastor. And you see them, they find until they become the pastor. Then they get crazy. You lose your mind. You start thinking things you shouldn't think. You're fine until you got a family. And now you a walk, mama walking around with a stick, want to beat everybody. What's wrong with you, girl? Stop it. Pause yourself. Back up the train. Why in the world are you so wild now? You want to swing and chop, and chop on people. You are fine until you got a man. Now you got a man and you want to beat him into love. You're going to do it. You're going to love me, boy. I'm going to beat you down, boy. If you don't come over here and kiss me. <laughs> Pause. That's not, that's not how we live. And somebody needs to tell you that. Somebody needs to stop you. You need to let somebody stop you. I call them stoppers. Where people say to you, no, no, you can't cuss me out. No, no, you can't do that. No, no, you cannot come on my job and not work. And talk about you saved. No, you're going home with Jesus 
on my job. You go into the house and you can pray at the house, but in this job, thou shalt work. And when I call thee, thou shalt answer. <laughs> Amen. I mean it too with all my heart to tell you. I mean it. I'm a nice guy. I'm a great boss. I love everybody and it's a great place to work. But I expect you to do your part. I'm going to do my part. Paycheck going to be there every time and it's gonna, not going to bounce. Okay, I expect that. But I expect you when I call, I expect you to answer. I expect you to be respectful. If you have a disagreement, it's how you say it. We can talk about anything, but it's how you do it. And, and you just need to create that kind of big word, environment. See, environment is more important than anything. People always ask me, who's going to be your successor and who's going to take over? You can get you a great successor, but if you've got a bad environment, it'll kill him. You need to have the right environment, the right environment, the right place where, where anybody can sit in that seat and be loved and helped and carried. My job as a pastor overcome by faith is to create the right environment. The next leader, God will have to help us find that person or persons. God has a vision and plan for that. But the right thing is to create the right environment, the right economic environment, the right emotional environment, the right place. I, I'm off, but let me say this real quick. Christina Maslick, in, in my research on burnout, made, made a comment. I love what she said. She said, sometimes it's not the person that burns out. It's the environment that you put the person in that burns anybody out who works there. It burns anybody out. It's the, it's, 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 the, it's the way loving you is a burnout experience. Whoever you marry, you cuss them, you fight them, you stab them, you threaten them. Doesn't matter who it is. So it's how. It's the environment that leaders create. And that's what we've experienced. We need to change the environment, change the way we interact. I got to go. Got to move on. Okay, here we go. Five things we must leap forward, right? Number one, we must, things, we must accept that things have changed and will never be the same. Number two, we must, we must think about how we manage living in the deadliest season in American history. Number three, we must think about who we are going to follow and what we require of them. Number four, we must think about clearly defining our goals and tools we need to get to our dreams. Where, where am I going? We must, we must think about what I'm and clearly defined. These are my goals and these are the tools I need. You have these goals, but if you don't have the tools, you can't get there. You got to think about that. You got to put your mind on that. You got to think about that. Number, number five, we must think about how our religious views <laughs> and environments have impacted our lives. And I've talked about that already. A lot of what we're going through is because of the way we function. We demand too much of people's time. We demand too much from people. We take too much from people. I got to close. Here's my final thoughts. You ready? Here we go. Three things that concern me during the season. Number one, we have some we have some home training issues in our Christian community that need to be addressed. Need to be reviewed. And I'm going to do a series uh, on home training. I'm concerned. You know, my mom used to say, good, good home training. Now, you remember how you were trained, boy. Remember how you were trained. Good home training. Some things we do. Bad home training. You just don't talk like that to people. Number two, I'm concerned that we have some big gaps in our sensitivity training. I, I you know, I, I, I think um, sensitivity is important. I've got to be sensitive to people ethnically. You know, I have to be sensitive to gender issues. I have to be sensitive to children. And I'm concerned about some of our sensitivities. We're not sensitive. We're not, we're not caring enough. A lot of parents aren't sensitive to their children. What's it like being a child under you? What's it like being your husband, your wife? What's it like being a black person? 
in a predominantly white environment or a white person in a predominantly black environment or an, or an Asian person in an American in a certain environment? What's it like being a foreigner in an American environment? What's it like being a person who is struggling uh, to find citizenship? Do I care? Am I sensitive to that? I'm concerned that some of the things we do and say, say we're not sensitive. And then here's my last thing for today. Our minds, I'm concerned that our minds are having trouble crossing certain boundaries and making the leaps necessary. That we just can't make the leaps. I'm concerned about that. I, th I think if we don't change, if we don't watch it, we'll never get to where God wants us to be. You know, it's been a great year talking to you. And I've got a brand new year ahead of me. And I'm going to start coming this week, next week, the next event, which is our wonderful, wonderful New Year's Eve service, where I'm going to talk about something else. I want you to think about this for a minute. Are you afraid after all we've been through in this world? Are you facing a fear? I want to talk next time about being scared of a new world. Some of you are afraid, but I want, to look at, I want, I want you to hear me. You don't have to be afraid. I am tempted at times but I refuse to be intimidated. My God is able to get me to where I need to be. And your God's able to get you to where you need to be. Now, we've gone through some tough times this year. We've gone through some difficult seasons this year. We've had some times when we didn't know which way to turn, left or right, but God was there. We, we didn't know how we were going to get to a vaccine, but God helped us get there. We didn't know how God was going to help us get our finances right. And some of the businesses have, have survived and held on. And some of you that have lost your business, God will give you a new business, a new opportunity. This is a new chance for you to embrace the future. Now, listen to me. I've given you my best this year. I got more stuff for you next year. Our theme next year is called How to Live in a New World. I want to show you. And it starts with thinking differently. And it starts with managing your money differently. It's got a whole number of list of things that I want to talk about next year. It will help you have a better life. So let's pray together and let's go forward. Let's make the boundary crossing. Let's leap. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the, the gathering today around your word. I pray what we've said has helped and lifted hearts and minds. I pray that their thoughts and their hearts would be focused, that they would not be afraid. Let this be a moment of healing and blessing. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, it's been a joy being with you today. I pray you were blessed. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, you know, this is my last time hearing you for the year. And I want to I want to make sure that I leave the year right. I want to make sure that I've if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never said, you know, let me let me stop this train right now and pray this prayer and ask God to give me a new year, a new beginning. Let's do that right quick. Father, I pray for people who've never served you, never given their life to you, or maybe they served you but left you. And now they said, you know, I need to come back to God. Let this be the moment that they rededicate their lives or for the first time commit their lives to living to living Christ. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I pray you were blessed and helped by today's study. I hope you're ready to make that crossing. Can your mind cross over? Can you make the leap you need to mentally? Sometimes we get stuck in a place. We cannot change the way we think. We've lived this way all of our lives and we can't change. I believe you can make a change in your life if you decide to listen today to a new way of looking at the world. So let me pray for you. Father, let this be the beginning of a new day for those who watch this sermon. May it be an inspiration for them to consider crossing over into a new way of thinking. Their lives are dependent upon change, and I pray they will be open to it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being with me today on On Demand. I hope it helped you, and I hope you make that crossing. Now, come on. Come on, cross. It's okay. You can make it. You can do it, preacher. You can do it, member, mama, daddy, whoever you are, wherever you are, businessman. Come on, cross over with me. 
Make the leap and watch your life change. See you next time on demand. God bless. Bye-bye.